1: Welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite coworkers about what you watched last night. I'm Matt Scalisi, and joining me, my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney. Caroline, I'm here in, in Alabama, and I, I'm experiencing something that's incredibly common for you, uh, but is, is a cause for tremendous anxiety and excitement here in Alabama, which is that there is some white stuff all over the ground everywhere.
2: yeah it it uh in virginia we got a solid amount we got like four inches or something like yesterday and it was lovely because during the day it didn't particularly it just kind of like was that very pretty not sticking a lot during the day um Mm -hmm. snow and so it was way better than dealing with rain when taking the dogs out (laughs) um and then we just have kind of a hard ice sheet over everything yeah that's way less fun it, yeah. Snow is fun if you don't have to go anywhere. Um, you don't lose power or any essentials, that type of thing. Um, and until it gets all brown and slushy and then everything's terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not a fan of the aftermath of it. And and it doesn't usually last very long here, thankfully. So yeah. my condolences are are with all of my brethren who live in the Midwest and Northeast, where my understanding is it just kind of is like this for like, Three four months out of the year, I don't you know how you
2: not. do it. I genuinely don't. You could not have paid me to go to like that Chiefs Dolphins game. Like Ab- absolutely miserable. There's no negative way negative four it- at kick, real temperature, and then the real feel being like minus twenty seven. I'm sorry, absolutely not. It's just absolutely good. not. There's no chance. I, I and think more than anything. <laughs>
1: I think the planet is telling us it does not want us to live in those places.
2: <laughs> the planet's telling us what have you done. <laughs> it's trying to shake us off her back. Um, the day after the day after tomorrow thought it was too cold in Kansas City for a football yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal
1: found dead or whoever was in that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh,
1: was he in that? Yeah. yeah he uh was. Well, Car- Caroline, we have a we have a voicemail. Uh, as, yes. as, that's, that's a, a part of our, our second season of the show. We are now taking voicemails and reading your emails. Uh, so we've got another one this week that we wanted to kick off the show with. Let's, uh, let's bring in this voicemail from listener and friend of the show, John Hammondtree. Hey, Matt and Caroline, this is John Hammondtree. I'm a big fan of the show and I just have uh, one quick question for you. I know that you both are big TV nerds. Uh, and if there were one show, that you could save and bring to life on another streamer, which we've seen happen to a lot of shows for better or worse, what would it be and uh, what streamer would you put it on and what budget would you give it? All right. Thanks. This, this takes a lot more consideration than I'm probably giving it. My, my first instinct is to think about a show that I was most hurt by the cancellation of it, um, which is glow from Netflix. I, I loved Glow so much, and I was so bummed that they canceled it before what what I think was supposed to be its last season, but regardless, it very it was what it was in a spot where the show was hitting its stride. You were really starting to like figure out what it was great at. The actors were all nailing their characters, and it was such a good cast. Everybody in that cast. Uh, has either had already done great stuff or has since gone on to do great stuff. And it was just pandemic hit. Netflix was like, we don't, we don't want to pay to keep this going. And that was it. It was such a bummer. I would love to see glow come back somewhere else. I think I I fear the ship has sailed.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I've ever even heard of that one.
1: Um, Glow, Really? Yeah. I don't. Oh my God. It's so good. Listen, it's Alison Brie. (laughs) And oh. um, Betty Gilpin, who uh, I, I'm trying to think of what else people would know her from. But she's she had a show uh, on Peacock this year, too, where she played like a nun that was trying to destroy an evil A.I. But she, she the the cast in general. So the, the premise is it's about a real thing that was called the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It was a women's
2: oh. professional wrestling okay. in the 80s. And it's,
1: it's yeah. this fun, colorful goofy show but it's also like the characters are all very real people and mm-hmm. they're trying to make something good even if nobody's going to take it seriously and yeah just such good such good performances such a great show with that overwhelmingly uh female driven cast and storytelling yeah. great great show
2: um i have First, I had like one that came to mind. Then I had two right after. So I'm going to do two quick hits that are more recent. Um, one, And I don't think Mindhunter has officially been canceled. but mind It's Hunter not. Is they keep
1: they keep dancing they, with they the keep, idea of bringing no, it back.
2: And it, it's pissing me off, and they need to just bring it back. Bring it back. Make it happen. That show is awesome. Um, did you ever watch Pitch on Fox about a female pitcher? No. I've, I've never even heard of this. Loved it. I think it had one season maybe maybe two i don't think it got in the second um kylie bunbury who's fantastic she was in i think she was in game night if i'm thinking if and she's fantastic and mark paul gosseler was the like older like veteran catcher on the team it's so he, fun that he's like he's so in good. so many shows now i feel like that guy's doing a pilot every year i know it was so good I and mean, it was sure we was it cheesy at times absolutely but I I was obsessed. I loved it. But the one that I automatically go to when people talk about being canceled and like whatever, pushing daisies. Did
1: you ever watch this show? Oh, that's a big one, Caroline. And like I here's, loved it. Here's what I would say. In general, the creator of that show, Brian Fuller, he makes shows that are almost like it's almost like he's doing it on purpose that he wants these shows to get canceled. He makes
2: well I think shows this was a are- writer's strike. Um, Is casually. that why it didn't come back? Yeah,
1: So yeah, it I mean, it's a 2007. But it's so show. different. There's nothing like that show.
2: No, uh, it, it um, was a
1: it was a musical comedy that Lee was Pace, a, that was Kristen about Lee yep. Pace can touch people and bring them. He could touch dead people and bring them back to life for like 30 seconds or something, and yeah. then. But if he touches a living person, they die. And well.
2: Yeah, he can bring them back to life for a certain amount of time. It was like a minute and a half or whatever it was. Yeah, um, but he had to touch them again to like re-kill them, and then it was mm-hmm. final. Like he couldn't bring them back after that. Or else but if he,
1: it was like something. If, it, if he didn't, if he didn't, if he didn't he he get it within them, the time, something else like, would die.
2: Alive, something in the general vicinity of equal livelihood would right. then die, and that would. And, but that it, but, would. Be and, final.
1: And, and so it's like this weird, like gothic kind of uh, fairy tale thing. It's also very whimsical, and there's there is like we said, there's like singing happening in the show. Yeah. It's a musical. The I I think the main love interest name is she's only ever called the Pie Maker, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that isn't that right?
2: So he she I think she has a name. Yeah, she's Chuck. Oh, Chuck, that's right. Anna, yeah, Anna Frill is the actress's name. Jim Dale is the narrator. Like, and he, if you've yes. ever listened to the Harry Potter audiobooks, like, you know Jim Dale's voice. Um, like I said, Chris and Chenoweth is in such a, it. And such a cool show. Just just very Ned. unique. <laughs> it's so wild. And so Ned works with, um, and it's Chi, Chi McBride, who's fantastic, is a private investigator that brings Ned on board. And he's the pie maker because he has. He makes the most like. Oh, Ned incredible. is the
1: pie maker, right? Yeah,
2: because he makes the most incredibly tasting pies. Because he can take like dying strawberries or rot- rotted strawberries, and he touches them once, and they're like that's right, gorgeous and beautiful, <laughs> and they go in the pie. Um, but he <laughs> works with the PI to solve murders because he goes with him to the morgue, touches the dead body, gets them to say who killed them, and then touches them again, and then they and, solve the murders and get all the money. Mu- it's it, it's great. That would be the one I was kind back. of.
1: It is okay. kind of like twee in a way. And, and like, it's hard to explain, I think to people now who, if you were not aware of this show, it's an extremely late nineties, early two thousands idea for a show like this. It, 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 it sort of wouldn't feel that weird today. I think because, because now we're so used to just seeing people do weird stuff for the sake of doing yeah. it. But Brian Fuller, like his deal when he makes a TV show, is he wants you to say, "I can't believe this is on TV." Yeah. However, you're doing it, and in this case, it's because it was this really weird musical comedy show.
2: Was- the other show
1: he made was Hannibal, which a lot of people would also Ooh. say they would like to see resurrected. Yeah. And Hannibal, for completely different reasons, is another <laughs> show that makes people say, "I cannot believe this is on television."
2: Isn't that Hugh Dancy? Oh, love Hugh Dancy.
1: Yeah, and and just. I, absolutely, like I, I truly don't know how they got past censors for some of this stuff they put on that show. It is the most graphically, disgustingly violent I don't stuff think I've, I've ever watched. Ever it. seen, I and it was on national broadcast television. It was unreal. <laughs> but I mean, it was just he found a way to do it, and yeah, I mean, that's that's another one I hear people say a lot. They would like yeah. to see brought back.
2: Yeah. Good question from John. I like yeah, that a lot. It's, it's really interesting. There's so many, there's something so sad about a show you truly love getting canceled because literally usually there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, he asked about like, I would, anything that I would bring back now, I would want it on Apple. That's where <laughs> Apple you would bring it back. 100% because I don't trust Netflix with anything anymore because they've, they've been doing the thing where they like, show get you involved for one season then don't renew it so people are less trusting so they wait until there's a couple seasons of something to watch it so you don't want to get into something have your heart broken again i don't want it
1: to be successful and and i think
2: i feel like if you put
1: something on netflix it disappears and nobody ever talks about it again after 24 hours
2: and every other, most of the other plat- streaming platforms are annoying me right now, just with like there's so many and it's getting so much more expensive. So my go-to is is always going to be Apple TV, and then I think because that will get like a hundred million dollars no matter what. To like, yeah, they they don't seem to
1: care about what they're putting their money into or whether they get a return on it. So it, n- that never lasts forever. We we saw that when Disney Plus first launched, and
2: well, I, I, think I we've said this multiple times on here. Apple is throwing money at a lot of stuff, and they're not marketing any of it except for me just doing it word of mouth. Yeah, they don't seem. But the shows are really good, and they're like, if you're making a TV show, what you want to do
1: is you want to ride the wave of a company that is in the the sort of like initial launch phase of their streaming service. So they're throwing ungodly (laughs) amounts of money at everything they do. And they don't really care if it succeeds or not. So like you get your show made, you get a ton of money and you don't really have to worry about the consequences of it down the road. That's where you want to be. Amazon is, is sort of doing some of that too. They're selectively spending it, but Amazon is the stuff that they are making. They're putting a lot of money into. Yeah. Um, Caroline, we are, we're entering speaking of streaming, we're, we're in a, we're in a weird time in the award season right now, because normally this would be all about movie awards uh, at this time of year because of, because of the writer's strike, throwing the calendar off. We had basically the 2022 Emmys sort of last night as we're recording this. Um, So the, it's a it was a, a bunch of awards given out to shows that were mostly on two years ago. Yeah. Two calendar years ago. Like speaking um, of Apple,
2: Blackbird was up for awards. Yeah, which and it won the- by the way. Paul Walter Hauser
1: won for Blackbird, which yes. is great. We love we loved that performance. We talked about it on the show. Yes. Um, but but yeah, just a really weird, a weird moment to revisit a bunch of stuff. Uh my my beloved Better Call Saul continued, yeah. d- didn't, didn't win anything, but I, but it was fun to see them up there and being recognized again. And they were nominated for a bunch of stuff. Great, great show. Despite winning zero Emmys over its entire run. But um, yeah, I know that you, I know that you have at least one issue that's been building up in terms of TV award anxiety for you yeah. that, that you want to talk about.
2: Look, so the, I thought overall it was a pretty boring award show because it everything went to essentially the three same shows, which in some sense is understandable like succession got a ton of awards. My thing is like you cannot have I, they, I don't understand why they will just select six people from the same show and say like, this is going to make up our supporting actors nominee. So like white Lotus got a ton of nominations and right. supporting. And and I'm not trying to be, I liked the second season of white Lotus a lot. Um, Jennifer Coolidge is fantastic. Megan Fahey was the star of that show season two. And like every, there were five nominees I think from, that show in, in the supporting
1: character. Right. Which is, which, I mean, look, there's two just ways for to the
2: look women. Just for the women, not even right. the men. So like Theo James got a nomination and I, I'm just kind of like, what is, I'm like, I'm trying to think about were there not enough other shows on? I, I
1: think, I think there's a couple of things here. I think number one, there, there genuinely are fewer shows now than there yeah. used to be. Because, Networks are not
2: making scripts. I was just going to say, networks are hitting this a lot because no no one—no offense to like Chicago Fire, but Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD aren't going to rack up a ton of like Emmy nominations, like
1: NCIS, New Zealand uh, origins, whatever. Like the the they're just (laughs) there aren't as many shows being made. Period anymore, and the ones that are, I don't know. So so like there was a period of time. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. We're hearing it talked about a lot right now because we're in the sort of celebration of the anniversary of The Sopranos, right? Which a lot of people sort of mark as the birth of prestige TV. And there was a period of time where there were so many of those shows all on at the same time. And now partly because of the landscape of Hollywood, there aren't very many of those at all. And the ones that there are, are not on television networks. They're on streaming services, like, like Apple um, occasionally. I mean, like even succession, succession doesn't exist. I don't think in, in the, if it had started its life in the max era, Succession yeah. exists because it started when HBO was still a television network and was run yeah. like one. So, so that's a big part of it too, is the the shows that the awards voters are rewarding and like are the kinds of shows specifically that are not really being made anymore. The stuff that's getting money dumped into it now, right? It's, it's IP related. It's, it's reality TV, it's game shows. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just, um, you know, I think that's part of why it's concentrating. The other part of it is it's so hard. Like, I, I think the audience used to be more. Uh, we all watched, be we more all watched everything. Show. We yeah, all horror, could watch yeah. all the shows. And now people are split up a million different ways. Yeah. So the ones that do have a large audience, they hog all of the awards votes. I think, and, and end up getting everything. It's,
2: right. It, it, and so it's I mean, like the audience,
1: the voting base is too fragmented.
2: It's also interesting to me again, I think Kieran Culkin was fantastic in the last season of succession. I think Jeremy strong probably deserved the Emmy, like Jeremy strong, getting boxed out of every award after the performance he gave in that last season is, is shocking to me. Um, Cause I just thought he was, I thought he was fantastic because he had a little bit more like Kieran Culkin got to be the fun little weird guy. Like, and that's that's a way different. It's still difficult and it's still talented. Like it's just a way different performance than the like tortured. I'm the eldest boy that we got from Jeremy strong. So I don't know. It just, it was a very fast but I'll, you know, the funeral episode, Kieran Culkin was also just anyway, I, I don't have much issue with that. My biggest issue right now is how they're letting shows dictate or decide what category they want to be in. Because I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I will, I'm dying yes. on this hill. The bear is not a comedy and it drives me nuts that it's taking awards from talented comedic actors and writers. Like I don't care. Like I get it that people laugh at some of the stuff during the bear. It, I am trying so hard to get through that show, but it just makes me anxious and uncomfortable. Like, I'm four episodes in. It has taken me four tries to get through. I've never watched more than one in a row. Like, I it, I just, it's, I, oh and I think that a lot of voters maybe thought they were voting for season two, which also is something. With which, yes, to be clear, thing. it won for season one. It won for season one, which yeah. is not the one where everyone's talking about fishes and like all these, like the forks, whatever. The, I don't know what it all means, but I know people talk about those episodes. And I'm sure that those are. Great that's the thing. I don't think they're bad actors or actresses. AO is phenomenal and endearing. I think they entered comedy because they didn't want to lose to succession. So instead they had a drama sweep the comedy awards in comedic actors in like Abbott yeah. Elementary was the funny was the best written comedy on television last year, and it got no awards because of drama that well, like lasts four and here's what's weird to me year.
1: too. Here here's another thing that's weird to me. Succession, and I understand dramatic things happen in succession, but it's funny. Functionally, it is more yeah. of a comedy than the bear is. Yeah, I, I should swap categories. But yeah. but but I think what they you know, it, it, it there are shows that that sort of toe the line between the two categories. I actually don't think the bear is one of them. I think it's very, very clearly a drama, Yeah. but the issue, the issue is this. Should, should the categories be, should it, should it be, is it more? Because look, they, at some point, these categories were much more like firmly regimented yeah. in how, how these shows got made. Every comedy was 30 minutes. Yeah. Every in drama was drama. one hour. Yeah.
2: And so, so the people listening, they did get rid of the, the time requirements like two or three years ago. So, people yeah. are saying, oh, it's only in comedy because it's 30 minutes. That's no longer a thing. Like, that's not a thing. Like, right. and yeah. now shows will go, I think, isn't one of the the fishes one or whatever? It's like 45 minutes or an hour in the second season. Like, it's not. Yeah, just... It's,
1: oh, it's, it's, I'm, it, it is, I think, it, I think it's closer to an hour. Going,
2: yeah. Ted Lasso episodes ended going an hour 10, like, depending on what right. season it was and stuff. So, like, but but I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that you should be
1: able to choose your own category. Is no. what I, would say. I think that I think there should be a panel that gets to decide which category you go into and yeah. you can make a request. You can submit stuff. But like, I think ultimately somebody's got to make a decision because we don't want this to all be about. Strategy. I mean, look, not to go, not to open this whole can of worms here, (laughs) but someone was asking about this at the Oscars in in February this this past year. If you remember, there was a discussion going around of should we get rid of genders of gendered categories, right? Because obviously, it's a it's a big it's a big discussion, right? In general, what gender means is a, is a ongoing discussion at all times. And, and people that you would probably say are pretty progressive people had very mixed opinions on it. And, and we're saying, well, look, I, I don't like think that's the right decision. Like you're taking opportunities to, away from
2: women people. getting cut out. I think that's just going to lead to women getting left out of nominations. Right. So like, and,
1: and then, uh, you know, I, I what, what I'm saying again, I don't want to go down that road too much. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, somebody's got to kind of be in charge of how this stuff
2: works. Yeah. Somebody has to step up and make decisions like about none of this, this stuff, none of this stuff is life or death. I get that. Like, this is like a thing that I can like die on this hill and it's like not the end of the world. Like, it's just really frustrating. Like, I don't know. It just kept driving me nuts because like all of these people are extraordinarily talented. I'm not trying to take anything away. No, from- but you
1: also look, This this is also a case where... <laughs> And I'm not saying this as a criticism to you, but you have like a dog in the fight. So that's part of why you care about it is like you have another show that you yes. really love in the comedy that, category. That that it's not getting any recognition because this other show that isn't a comedy
2: no. is sweeping up all the awards for in this category. Like, I'm just so like, if you it, folks listening, if you haven't watched Abbott Elementary yet, please do. It is one of the funniest and smartly written shows that we've, especially sitcom wise, that we have had in years. Like my wife's been trying to get me to watch
1: it for a long it time. It is so good. It's it's hard for me, Caroline. I I, I like <laughs> sitcoms. Sitcoms are tough for me there I've been times in my life where I have really really yeah. been into them and love them. I think the, like, I'll tell you what it is. And I, am not saying I'm not going to give it a shot at some point, but I'll tell you the thing that I think got me like the, it's not the sitcom in general. It's the, I guess I would call it the office style. Um,
2: yeah, that's, that's how I, I felt about Parks and Rec. Just, and Rec before however, it,
1: what, whatever, whatever it is, uh, it, it's, it, the for- it's the breaking the fourth wall. It's worn on me a little bit over time of like that that format, and it's and like, true. Modern Family did it for so long, and and Parks and Rec did it like, and I loved those shows when they started and when they were on. And I guess when I when I try Abbott Elementary, part of part of me watches it and goes, eh, like this is uh, this feels like old fashioned to me. I don't know. No, it's
2: especially it's up there now. It might be my. V- so if I was listening, to like my three favorite comedies in the last like 15 years, it's it, and no, I don't, I won't say in any order, but right now Abbott's probably first Schitt's Creek and um, Parks and Rec. Like those three to me are perfect. And like, so look, I'm not a Schitt's Creek viewer either. Is that, that's not in that format though, right? No, Schitt's Creek is not. Schitt's Creek is like a whatever you call it like normal. Like there's no c- documentary camera crew. crew yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a um, it's a it's a like multi-camera, single yeah, camera.
2: Yeah, I think multi-cam is like anyway. It's shot like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Schitt's Creek is hilarious.
1: Yeah. It,
2: I should like
1: it. I'm a big Christopher Guest fan. Have you not watched
2: watched a few episodes and haven't gotten into it?
1: I may have had the pilot on like while I was looking at my phone and I just didn't, I wasn't vibing with it, but like,
2: yeah. So, and I don't like, and this is where I also am trying to get through like a trunk of the bear because I know that this is a thing where like sometimes in pilot seasons, you have to give it, a handful of episodes in Schitt's right. Creek, one of those by the time you hit like episode three. But here's the thing like, it shouldn't take like six. You can't outside of you got to get there quick. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the office, having that six season, six episode first season, which were essentially direct mirrors of the well, only the first one, office, only the first one, really. The first, well, they had like a whole, the first few episodes they had like were almost identical to the um, British office. And there were only like six episodes. Of
1: the yeah, they season. they they found their stride by the end of that first season, I
2: think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. So I get like that one's like okay, but I'm with you. Like you need to get. So by the time you hit like middle of episode two, episode three, Schitt's Creek, hilarious. And every time you watch it, you find. I love a I love a comedy that's rewatchable. You find new stuff. And so I actually just randomly did a an Abbotts Creek Abbotts Creek. There we go. An Abbott Elementary <laughs> rewatch, and there's it's just so, so clever and so funny. And that's why I get annoyed at them not getting the, the their flowers. And I know there's other shows too, and like, but I think that and I love Ted Lasso, like I don't think season three was its strongest, but I did think that, you know, like um Jamie Tart had such a great arc. Brett Goldstein sure. was one of the funniest people that's ever existed.
1: There were good um, things in that last season. Yeah, and
2: so I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I've watched four episodes of The Bear, and while how do you say, it's even Moss backrack, yeah, even backrack Moss who I think is going to, who is fantastic. He was fantastic. And, and, or he's going to, if they do announce him as Ben Grimm for Fantastic Four, which is what I think is going to happen. You and like, me
1: are just like gripping our chair arms it's waiting. It's going to
2: be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So this is, again, none of this is a knock to any of the talent. No, it's there. just not, it's just not a compliment. <laughs> oh and in fact, it's great.
1: It's great because it is such a good drama because it is such yeah. a good character driven drama. Um, so I'm seeing yes,
2: there's cousin Richie, who all I've seen so far and through four episodes of The Bear is a guy who yells at everybody and drugged a bunch of kids at a party, and he's winning over Brett Goldstein. So I get mad. You know what I mean? Like that's where I'm like, oh come that, on, dude. That that
1: actually was pretty funny though. But it, no, they uh, did
2: not laugh at that. I was the, like, this the, is so <laughs> awful. Well, all listen, do is yell at each other. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta,
1: you're you're in the thick of it. It, it's it is unpleasant, but also
2: it's a chore. Keep, so then the other one that I, I the other one that I watched an episode of because again we talked about um, Paul Walter Hauser getting his um, Emmy, which I'm stoked about because we've long gone into how great Blackbird was. Yeah, um, I still think Taryn Egerton getting zero awards for that. And, but the only problem is again, this is where it's like okay, I did not like the first episode of Beef. I did not watch past that because again. There's a certain, I can, handle, I can handle anxious shows, but there's like a certain way that it's delivered that I just, I was extraordinarily uncomfortable. And that's part of the, I think part of the process of watching beef. Cause it's just like, but it's Steven, not, Yeun, it's not my, it's not my sense of humor. Yeah. What, and so Steven, yeah. I, I really liked Stephen Young in walking dead. So like, I'm not going to be mad that he like won. And I was his, I was so happy for him, but it was just kind of like, um, I want. I really wanted Terrence Egerton. His just that last what was it like episode six scene where he's like in his in his cell, and breaks down after talking to Paul Walter Hauser. I don't know how that doesn't get him every award. Like it was just in, anyway, just incredible. It's great. Go go watch Blackbird. Uh, yeah, this has been Emma's talk. Gotta, <laughs> I like, well, we gotta, also, by the, gotta, the way, I love that I say all this stuff about shows being anxious, and then I'm like, go watch the show about the guy that gets put in prison and it to, talk to a serial
1: killer, an unbelievably tense
2: tense show. Tense show. <laughs> Um,
1: <laughs> so it I know it's, mini, not it not is a mini series movie. at least. Um, yeah, I, I want to hit on something real quick before we get to, uh, we have one more topic that we got to do before. Yes. Our guest. Um, but Caroline, there is a new Marvel show out. It is, it is different than the other Marvel yeah. shows in, in terms of carrying a label. It is labeled as a Marvel spotlight series. Yeah. They've been a little vague about what that means. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: and they threw it up in the beginning, and I was like, am I supposed to know what this is?
1: So Kevin Feige has said that what that means is is he has a long explanation for it that, that boils down to you don't have to have seen all of the other shows just to enjoy it. Uh, it's less connected to the rest of the MCU. Now, I would say... I don't necessarily agree with that assessment of echo so far. And I have not seen the whole show yet. I've seen the first episode of it. Yeah. Um, It, I would say it seems like what they've done here is it maybe, maybe it's the backwards of what Feige is saying, which is that actually you don't have to watch this show (laughs) to watch everything else in the MCU because it's incredibly connected to a bunch of other stuff that's already been made. You, you it, just sure. in the first episode, there are they basically expect you to already have seen um Hawkeye, the Hawkeye series, and probably I mean a lot of references to Daredevil in general, which until like a couple of days ago was not even considered
2: canon in the MCU. Well, that's a whole they just like slyly. Like, they really could have left Iron Fist out, let's be honest. Like, please, can we delete it's that? It's all still time? out for me. I'm not watching
1: that stuff. I don't care when the new Network Wait, have new you Daredevil, not seen
2: any of it? I've seen
1: Daredevil and Jessica Jones. When they That's when they not. when they bring out I, I have not seen all of Daredevil. I've seen the first two seasons, but yeah. I, I'm not watching I'm not watching a twenty-four episode season of an hour long superhero drama that wasn't even made by Marvel Studios just to catch up before I watch a new thing. I'm out. When you do yeah, like, even yes. me, the hardest core MCU fan, you can't drop a hundred episodes of new show on me and I say, you have to watch all this too.
2: Thing. This is how I think they're going to actually do it. So I, I, I see, because kind of, I think the beginning intro pretty well surmised everything that happened in Hawkeye that you needed to know about Maya. It tells you. I guess. You have to know who Hawkeye is. Not really. Why do you need to know Hawkeye? I guess not. He's just
1: a guy. Like, okay, so I'm trying to think about this as somebody who's never watched a Marvel thing before.
2: So it's essentially, she. it tells you the entire thing of her dad was murdered by uh-huh. this guy that she thought did it, mm-hmm. whatever. And essentially it turns out that it was like organized by Fisk. And she then enacts revenge on Fisk. Like sure. That's all you need to know. Like that's literally it. And they give you all of that. They give you, right. they don't involve, what's her name, Haley Steinfeld at all. Um, no, they don't even show her. She doesn't get shown. They barely show Hawkeye. And it's just to say like, this was the guy that killed your dad, but you're going after the wrong person essentially. And then they show that she shot Fisk in the face. Like, And then she fights with Daredevil, but it they, they have to at some point just be okay with you like, Either you know who that is or you don't, and either you care but, or you don't.
1: But so I what think. I think what what I think is cool about it though, and that what I wonder if this is maybe the actual point of Marvel Spotlight, is that by the end of the show, when they've set up what this series is is gonna be about, it's it's way off from New York, it's way off from everything else that's yeah. ever gonna go on in Marvel. And they're like, we're gonna have our own little story out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. With this character who isn't super tied to anybody else, that I think is cool. Um, she
2: I, is awesome. I think she's great. I think she's. I think Naya she's a really cool actor. Slaps. The cast is great. I really enjoy. I do really.
1: I will say this: as much as I rap on the Netflix shows, I do really like Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I yes, think he's a, he's, he's doing something very weird with his voice, and I enjoy it. Um, yeah.
2: Well, and the, that was the thing, when you think back to like the, so the Daredevil or the Netflix shows, again, apart from, so I really think that when people talk about the Netflix shows, they're talking about Daredevil and they're talking about Jessica Jones. Both are very good. Both did like, and this is, and you know me, I want as many episodes of everything as I can. I'm yes. Like, I know that's you. your policy for sure. I yeah, mean 24 episodes. I, will I want don't want that it. many of this. However, <laughs> especially with Jessica Jones, it got very redundant. Like yes. it was extremely repetitive and what's his name was great as the villain, but it just got to who was it's the doctor who guy who's who I? Yeah. It's the, uh, David Tennant. Yeah. Yes. He was terrifying utterly. That's the thing. When you want to talk about Marvel villain problems, the Netflix shows did not have that problem. No, because they, they had yeah, had David Tennant was great. and David Tennant and they were terrifying. Um, I really did not like Electra. I thought she was very annoying. <laughs> so that ruined it's like very, he- It's
1: a very as a very like uh, TV <laughs> level character. Not very yeah. interesting. Not not a great she, performance.
2: And I'm going to get this might be my most controversial take. So they announced they're bringing back Karen and Foggy. Foggy fine. Again, I thought what Deborah and Wool. I, I, it was I was fine if they didn't bring them back. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily was on board with the like they got killed off screen, which was originally the plan, I think. Because I don't like if they're like Well, the most the single most famous
1: Daredevil story in the history of comics involves <laughs> uh involves her character being killed.
2: But oh, oh. again, <laughs> I just thought I maybe it was too much of like true blood sinking in where I was like, oh my god, I've had enough. Anyway, I really liked I've seen the first Four episodes of Echo. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I you mean... explain?
1: I have a I have a question for you before I Uh-oh. move further with the show. Okay, and this is not a spoiler. <laughs> uh, there, there is a the very first scene in the show Mm-hmm. appears to show again. I don't know how, if this is a spoiler. Whatever, hit skip for a couple of times. <laughs> it appears to it appears to suggest that Native Americans. Are the descendants of some kind of alien race?
2: So am, I, am is, I reading that correctly? No. So this is one of the things that when actually when I thought I, when they were talking about the spotlight thing, I was like, oh, is this like they're doing some like historical background shows? <laughs> like I'm not, I don't know. Um, I am actually going to dig in more to Choctaw. His, like, is, um, are they just showing us? Are they just
1: showing us Native American mythology?
2: I is think so. And us? this is where I'm ignorant on it and want to go do more research, but they, they are leaning heavily on the like Choctaw nation. There's a few, there's an opening scene in like episode three or so. That's just like a, um, a lacrosse-esque game being played in like, actually it's set in like Alabama, I think is what they said it was. That's right. Mountville. Um, that's uh yeah. That's a big and, thing around here if you go
1: on field trips in Alabama.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, basically, they're trying to... And this is where I don't know either, like, Choctaw mythology. And I don't know the comic book mythology either for Maya or Echo or whatever. So, right. I don't know if there was some sort of comic book storyline that took some tradition. So, she's very... she's. She's very different than
1: she was in the comics, which is that she, very specifically her superpower, which she doesn't really have one in this. um, Yet.
2: Yet. Yeah, So that's the thing. Sure. Is the, over the, the, what they do through that, that through line essentially, and that's where I think it's more like Choctaw mythology Mm -hmm. is, um... That the people of the like the first people of the tribe like rose up because of this incident, and there was some sort of external power that guided them. So, I don't think it's like an alien thing, it's just more of like a mythology type thing, sure. is the way I read it from watching the episode. And that circular like pattern becomes a through line of like essentially her line back to the first people of Chaka. Choc- okay. okay. Cool. And so that's yeah. where I was like, that's really interesting. And so like that's where I'd like to do more research. It's honestly similar to um, Ms. Marvel, where they had a bunch of stuff that I yes. didn't know about the history of Pakistan and India and like all these different things. Where I'd like to do. And they more tie. Research. They sort of tie her story to that. Yeah, I thought that was cool right. too. So I think that's what they're. <laughs> and so I, I'm I'm intrigued to see um, where they go with that and how they do it. And it it was an at first I was yeah, like I didn't. Happening, like, what am I watching? This is yeah, wild. you know, I, I have obviously been very, very
1: skeptical and sort of disappointed with a lot of the stuff that the Marvel yeah. TV group has done for the last year or so. But, um, I like, I like the first episode of this enough that I'm for I'm gonna keep yeah. watching, which is more again, <laughs> it's more than we can now. say for yeah, <laughs> more than we can say for a couple of the other shows they've put out recently. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I still have not watched season two of What If, by the way, which I just am.
2: I, I, I still know if I care. My thing—that's my thing with season. I didn't ever watch season one because my thing is like,
1: why do I care? What if I care? How about that?
2: Yeah, I was like, it's not a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> so like, why do I care?
1: Like,
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, all right. I care. We've we've run long, but I still want to do this. I want to do okay. it this week. All right. Okay. <clears throat> We're gonna have a long episode, folks. I enjoy it. That what we wanted to talk about, this was Caroline's idea that she threw out to me a couple of weeks ago, and we were gonna do it last week and we ran long then too. <laughs> uh, it's it has been twenty-five oh, years God. since the year nineteen ninety-nine. An important an important year in our culture for many reasons, not just because it's name checked by Prince, but it is a
2: it's because we all see about
1: Y2K. <laughs> right. It's a really weird year in the history of American pop culture. And I think we're going to be looking at this from a bunch of different angles over the course of the year. And we should do some stuff for For the Win, the website yeah. as well. Absolutely. But we're going to be looking at different aspects of this on the show. And we wanted to look at music first. Mm-hmm. So I've got the Billboard Hot 100 from 1999 in front of me right now, Caroline. Here's what I want to ask you. Okay. This, this is the angle I want to come at it from. If you have to take, and this is because this is a real thing that I do in my life almost every day. If you have to take some people who were not alive in 1999 and you have to explain to them what music was like in 1999 with three tracks I want you to pick the three tracks that you're going to play for them to explain life in 1999 to
2: them. Setting this at three is impossible. So I'm just going to go over that. But um, one hit me baby one more time. Britney Spears. It's really hard to not put that on there. I don't know that that's my number one, one, but it has to be. It's incredibly important. Yeah, just and I think that's the thing when I look at this 1999 list, one it's incredibly diverse musically. Like Lauren Hill and Share is on here and Share not just Share but like if you were going to explain to somebody, right? Like the
1: <laughs> like what was really popular in 1999? The number one song of the year was a woman in her like 50s <laughs> auto-tuned to oblivion. Singing like basically a disco song, like (laughs) uh, unexplainable, and and I mean it's it was a weird quirk of of like the record industry, but like basically in the whole late nineties, if you if you pick the same list for ninety eight and ninety seven, it looks the same way. Like they could put out anything, and we would all listen to it. Like. Record companies, there was no like, oh, this is the trend. We have to follow the trend. There's no trends in the late 90s. They just put stuff out, and we just liked whatever we
2: liked. Well, and I think, I was thinking about this a lot um, over this, early this year when I realized this 1999 stuff was 25 years, and looking back on it, and this was right in the sweet spot of more connectivity if we're like, like, we're not quite in the AOL, AIM, heyday, but we're like getting there. We are definitely in the TRL, um, total request. TRL is a big part of this. Almost every single one of the main songs on here, you could say the name of it, and I can tell you what the music video was. Like CD, I, I,
1: CD stores are a big part yep. of this culture. Like we had a Virgin Mega Store where I lived in the late '90s in Orlando, where as silly as this sounds to people now who have unlimited access to music all the time, it was a big oh. deal to go Mm -hmm. to the CD store, the record store and have the little demos set up with headphones that a thousand other people have already put on their ears and you, and you go sit there and like, listen, like sample a CD that you're thinking about buying.
2: You, that was like the only way, this was also right around the start of like creating your own mix CDs. Because prior to this, I remember I would sit and listen to the radio with a cassette and like you try and catch your favorite song. Like we're anyway, we're going way too far down the rabbit hole. But so I'm saying hit me baby one more time. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have to put, I want it that way in there because we're talking boy bands. Like then this was the start. I of get movie. the, I get the argument.
1: I would say ba- that and baby one more time are kind of like, they're similar, but not exactly.
2: Like, yeah, well, this was, uh, the, this was the start of they're different. flavors. Of the NSYNC, 98 degrees had two songs on this list. You've got LFO on this list. Uh, Like ones are short lived. You know, Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sonnets. Um, And then I look at like, Oh, this is real tough because you have songs like that. Don't impress me much, which is Mm -hmm. country going mainstream. Brad Pitt catching some strays on the radio. Um, Again, I can remember the music video that like let the like leopard print long duster jacket and the hat and the bright red lipstick. Um, and she's like out in the desert um i look at something like live in la vida loca that's on my list
1: caroline Ricky Martin.
2: <laughs> like, that's like but i also look at things like kiss me Sixpence on the richer like, yeah that um, is one of my still one of my favorite songs it is a never skip for me i it, love it it's
1: it's a it, it's what, like when we talk about when we talk about things that are not a part of a larger trend that song, band didn't have another hit. Nope. Nothing else ever came out that sounded like that. There was not another band that they sound like. Just a weird little thing that exists on its own.
2: Oh my god, Matt! I'm looking at this list. Like Destiny's Child started in 1999. You got Bill's, yeah. Bill's on this list. You've got like, if you want to go Sugar Ray, which was a totally different vibe of music. Right. You've got All Star by Smash Mouth is on the list. <laughs> Listen. What do you mean three songs. I'm like the Jennifer Lawrence like what do you mean? Jennifer Lopez is on this list. So you- so
1: Jennifer Lopez, Ricky Martin, and Enrique Iglesias all yeah. have songs on here and that to me that's a thing that when I think about 99 that was a very like I talked about thing. I feel like there were probably Entertainment Weekly covers that were talking about the Latin explosion or whatever they called it, right? Like a bunch of Latino artists Oh, on, pop, on pop radio, making American pop music, yep, and and like that was a. I, some of this could be because I lived in Central Florida, but like to me, that was such a huge thing. That's like such a huge part of of the end of the '90s is yeah. that part of culture being everywhere, all over the place.
2: Yeah. Well, and you. So you also. What I find super fascinating about this list one Lauren Hill doo-wop that thing ten out of ten still banger absolute. Incredible song and in
1: general, a good bit of hip hop on this list. Which this is probably very early edge of there being like a multiple hip hop songs in the top one hundred at the end of a year. Well, she
2: had at least two. Um, I also think it's super fascinating when like this feels like the edge of you still are getting like I said, like you said, share. You have. How did I just lose it? Mariah Carey is on this list. Um, Whitney Houston is on this list. So two
1: R&B songs, by the way, in the top 10. uh, Actually, sorry, three R&B songs in the top 10. That is a genre that is 100% absent from the charts, basically for like the entire 2020s. Uh, I I mean, 2010s, 2000s, maybe even. And it was like, There was a lot of R and B playing, like like Scrubs,
2: Babyface, Monica, um, TLC, uh, Destiny's Child, right? TLC
1: is certainly R and B, but like it was a it was a very very mainstream genre of music that like really just sort of didn't make it into the two thousands.
2: Well, I was looking because Nelly, I think, is two thousand, though. Like you start getting some of the more popular, like right. Andrew Grammer came out in two thousand, I think. But it was right around because it was right around when I moved back to the states from Germany. Because I remember that video the, too.
1: The, the just 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 going back to the R and B thing for a second. Two of the top, three of the top four songs are R and B songs on this list. Yeah. No, no, Scrubs. Angel of Mine by Monica was number three, which you don't really hear that song anymore, right? No. Like that doesn't. <clears throat> a lot of these songs. When we make like throwbacky movies yeah. and TV shows, these songs get included on the list. But like, that's not one that made it, even though it was obviously a huge hit that year.
2: You know what else is on here with the word "angel" in it? <clears throat> Sarah McLaughlin. the dog <laughs> shelter. Famously, song. the dog, the sad dog song. <laughs> in the arms of the angel. <clears throat> oh man, and there's yep. just so many. It's such an interesting why I love 1999's like pop culture stuff is Mm. it's just such an interesting, like dissection of so many different things. Like that's a total mix. It's part of a lot of trends or a lot of careers that kicked off that we're using. And I understand that's probably, I'm very curious if you go back into like X years prior, like where you see, but the longevity of some of the people that started and that if you look at that list and like, you see some of the artists that are still doing things um, I think is really fascinating. Like Jennifer Lopez. I don't know if anyone saw quite the way that her career played out before. Like if you were talking about 1998 and you're talking about Jennifer Lopez. I think it was a
1: novelty thing that this actress had was, was making a pop album.
2: Yeah. Well, and I honestly,
1: like, had she been in that much Yeah, know. she had been, she actually was pretty highly regarded for the movie Out of Sight, which was in the. Oh, that's
2: right. Which that was, I believe, 1997. Somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I always mix up my timeline. Cause yeah.
1: People true. love that. She had like tremendous chemistry with George Clooney. Everybody loved that movie. I
2: mean, I think a wall has tremendous <laughs> Like if you don't have tremendous chemistry with George Clooney, like it's time for some introspection. The the other two that I that I would put on my list because this is
1: an exercise that I do a fair amount with my kids in the car is like I will play an old playlist, um, like literally I'll just pull up something like 1999 Hot 100 on Spotify, and I'll play stuff, and then my kids will have to listen to me go, "This is who this is." This is why. This is why. This was a big deal, and they'll have to go like this. Is they'll either like it or they'll go. You guys were really stupid that you liked this. But <clears throat> like the the other two that I would put up there besides "Living La Vida Loca" on my list, I pick, I, I could have picked a bunch of different hip hop songs, but "Can I Get Up" by Jay Z, oh. I picked because that I, that weirdly like doesn't sound that like you could probably put that out today and it would be successful it's 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 pretty ahead of its time sounding production wise and then the other one that i have on here is jumper by third eye blind which is Uh to me that that song screams i wish we
2: would step out from that ledge my friend yes (laughs) Dude, I, oh my God, so I went to, I went into, Spotify. we've been working off of the Billboard year end, Hot 100, but I went into the Spotify playlist that's the top hits of 1999, uh, Back That Ass Up.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: so good. Uh,
1: absolute oh, smash hit today that you, it, it is, it fills so dance floors immediately.
2: I, oh my God. And then um, this was also the year that Enema of the State released. From Blink One which was one of the. Well, that doesn't even feel right, does it? That yeah, seems I, like that should have been again, a few years later. The only reason that I know that that feels right to me is I remember my mom telling us we couldn't get it in Germany because so that it therefore had to be ninety nine or earlier because of the cover, like, and it had the nurse with the glove and like the the big chest whatever, and it's a very whatever. Mom was like, "Absolutely not! What is this? No." She's like, it's got explicit content on it, and what are we doing? No, you're like 14. No, <laughs> like, but yeah, that was the what's my age again? Yeah, um, all the small things. That's like, certainly
1: that is very T- TRL feeling.
2: That's yes. Sure. Again, the the naked running video music What a video. what
1: a crazy list. Um,
2: okay, I have one more. I'm sorry, I have one more. Yeah, because no, I please. This is indicative of the time. Wild Wild West. <laughs> which was a Will Smith song made for the movie Wild Wild West because Correct. I think that there is such an interesting like sociological thing to dive into about songs made for the movie. So like LL Cool J specifically
1: Will Smith I think is named Yeah, Will for Smith, this.
2: he did Men in Black, he did um Wild Wild West, LL Cool J in the in the Shark one. <laughs> like um deepest bluest deep blue sea. Um but that was the thing that like it was a, and he, mean, just was just, like, pl- he just like wraps the he just wraps the plot of the movie hundred percent. And then as like, he
1: sang dad, the like, characters' names in the song, yes, it's it's, it's nice. I, as the kids would say now, unbelievably cringe. Like <laughs> yes. to, the, to the point that
2: it loops back around and is ironically very. We can wow. We can laugh. Um, that was we, the Wild Wild West one was like James West, incredible. So, I, I literally so, like if you played it right now I would know every single word of that song.
1: This is the this is the thing I don't want to tell I don't want to go too deep because we've we've run long in this first so
2: segment. Way long. Here, but listen, you. are you aware are
1: you aware of the of the fact that the the villain the, the the big battle in the movie Wild Wild West is a giant mechanical spider? Oh, 100%. Of course. So so this was in the movie because Tim Burton had been trying to make a Superman movie and the guy producing the movie insisted that the, that Superman fight a giant mechanical spider. And they never, they never made the movie. It fell apart. Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman in it. And like they had shot test footage and everything. So in the new flash movie that came out last year, yeah, there is a scene where a bunch of crazy stuff is happening. And in the background, you can see Nicolas Cage as Superman fighting a giant mechanical spider.
2: Oh my God. I have seen, the only thing I've seen from a flash are those like clips that made Twitter where people really, were like, really,
1: really bad, really bad.
2: Be out of the window and stuff, out of the microwave Yeah. Or something. yeah. <laughs> All right. I could talk about 99 music for days. We so. could.
1: We really could. But we have a really exciting segment coming up next with, with uh, our special guest talking about
2: Laguna Beach, something I have <laughs> have had zero exposure to before this. But I'm, I'm excited so excited, to excited that you had to watch some episodes of Laguna Beach. Mike Rutherford is going to join us after the break, the hilarious and iconic uh, sports writer for Card Chronicle, um, tortured Louisville fan. But he is a Detroit Lions fan. So Big week for him. Big week for him. So, yeah, we'll be back with uh some Laguna Beach talk with our guests. All right, and welcome back. Second half of the episode, we're super excited to have one of my favorite people, um, the only person that can get me to continuously read a Louisville Cardinals blog, uh, Mike <laughs> Rutherford, who runs Card Chronicle over on the SB Nation Network, and hosts the Mike Rutherford Show radio. Mike, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and so we uh, we reached out, and we uh, asked you to bring something to our pop culture potluck. And you picked something I was very excited to revisit, but Matt had never seen. What are we talking about today?
0: We are talking today about the one, the only, the best reality show in the history of reality television, Laguna Beach, uh, famous for being, taking over the world in the mid 2000s when MTV was still on top of the world uh, and then eventually becoming sort of launching the Hills, which became an even bigger deal years later. But let's stick with the OG. Let's stick with the original. Let's stick with Laguna Beach.
2: Yeah, and for po- folks that aren't familiar, Matt, I guess I'm going to ask you this. How familiar were you with the characters, if you will? Really? Uh, so like here's... The, LT, <clears throat> the Kristen Cavallari, like, et cetera, et cetera. I-
1: I'll tell you what my exposure to this show was. As a person who is 40 years old and was in college when this was on, so <clears throat> I-, I, my, I had a lot of friends that watched it, like male friends that watched this show, and I emphasize that because I would say target audience of this show, they were certainly going for a female audience. I mean, all, all of the main characters are young women, but a lot of college bros that I knew watched this show and they would even get together and have like watch parties for this show when it came. We off. did this. We, yeah. we
2: did this. And And it's only a 30 minute episode. Like it's 20 minutes of television.
1: And and, and, and so it was beyond me. I was like, I don't, I don't get why you guys like this, but, but whatever. And then I would say my, I became aware of the actual characters from watching the soup with my then girlfriend, fiance, now wife. That was just a, that was a show that we would watch every week. And for people, again, for people who, who are maybe younger that listen to this, there was a show called the soup that all Holy they God. did, all they did was watch like the trash TV. They would watch reality shows and talk shows and stuff. And they would pull out the dumbest stuff and show you clips of it. And essentially it, it was like Twitter in TV show form. You're seeing like memes and gifs being played out and that like that level of sampling of the show. So all I know about it, right? I, I'm aware. Uh, I would say mostly I'm aware of a character named Audrina Patridge because she said a lot of really stupid stuff. I, I have not seen her in the episodes that I've watched so far. Um, right, is she is she Hills. She's the Hills. She's the yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, which was the spinoff show. And, and I'm also aware of Spencer and Heidi, who may have also, also been the, the Hills. Hills. Yeah. So yeah, like by the time I was, I was becoming aware of characters. This was already like a fully fledged phenomenon that had created a spin-off show of itself.
2: A cinematic universe. Um, Mike, right. what drew you in? What, so I'm trying to remember. So it came out in 2004 yeah. and they were like seniors in high school, which was, I think that they, I don't know if they were actually class of 2004. I would assume they're 2003, which is. They the would have
0: been 0- 04.
2: They were 04. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I was 03. Are they saying I just graduated? So, so the, are what we,
1: is what we are witnessing in season one of this year. show,
2: it's their they're going back
1: and showing you their senior year of high school. Basically. Yes. OK. Yeah. It's uh, I'm like you.
0: I was class of oh three. So I was a so I was a sophomore in college when this came out. And th- so they were a year younger than me, like the main cast. Now, Kristen yeah. and some of the other ones were juniors that came back the second <laughs> season. But they were yeah, this was class of oh four. So it was still like, it was, it reminded me a lot of my high school time. We had a lot in common, all this stuff. And it's so funny, Matt brings that up. So we're sophomores in college and I am like, like a lot of my, I was never in a frat, but like a lot of my friends were the prototypical, the stereotypical, like big fratty dudes. And they would come over to our apartment and we would watch this. And like, you would have guys walk in and be like, all right, I don't want to be a D-bag, but like everybody shut the hell up when the show comes on. (laughs) And we would sit there. And we would watch Laguna Beach, and we would be fixated on on this show every single. Like I'll never forget when they announced that the the finale was in December, and we still was before like Christmas break started. And so they announced that they were doing a season two, and we're like going, we're like going to a party after, and like we're like going up to everybody, like season two, we're like high fiving. Nobody knew what the hell we were talking about, but we're like season two, you excited? Let's go, let's go. It really like it took over my sophomore year Mm -hmm. of college. We were obsessed with the show. And then it became such a big hit that season two came out and they had like, you know, you guys haven't mad if you haven't seen it yet. Season two has like three times as many episodes. They do like 30 right, episodes. Sure. It becomes a huge deal. But season one is, it's kind of cool to me because you can tell it's before that like they knew the show was going to become a hit. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more genuine and season two, they've, they're already like super famous and you can tell a lot of it is scripted. They're having to, to work the storylines a little bit more, but season one, there is an organic thing about it that I think does feel, even though it's, you know, not a lot of people can relate to yeah. rich orange County kids, but there is something that, that is organic and that feels real about it. That was at least somewhat relatable
1: to me at this point in my life. It, here's, here's what's crazy to me. Like, I, and I think it's really interesting for me to watch this as, as a 40 year old person for the first time, as opposed to like someone who was in the target audience for this show. It's, it's amazing to watch because the the voice listening to their conversations and like listening to them sort of describe the big storylines that are going on, like the dramatic stuff to them, dramatic stuff going on. The old man voice in my head is kicking in that goes like, man, none of this shit that y'all care about matters at all. <laughs> y'all have no problems at all. This is the most interesting thing happening in your life. But it is like right like this for for high school kids who do not have to have jobs and don't have to worry about anything. When you're 18, that is a realistic conversation that 18 year olds have. And it is the most interesting and dramatic thing that happens to them. But it's that's what that's what I hear it now is going like y'all have absolutely nothing to worry about (laughs) in your entire life.
2: Well, it's fascinating to look back on some of the conversations now, like some of the stuff doesn't age well, like just stuff that they're like slang that they use that now we're like, that's not nice. Um What, what, the, what makes it through into the show? I mean, this, this is the era where oh God, the R slur was probably. Yes, that was fun. the one I was going to yeah. say. It's like, so-and-so's being, you know, whatever. And so right. you're like, Ooh, that's not, but and again, in 2004, like, unfortunately people were still saying that anyway. Um, it was kind of like now you look at it, and I watched it, and it's the there was a clear delineation between folks. If you were like a Kristen or an Elsie, like who you thought should end up with Stephen, I don't know why. Still at the time, I still was like, why is Stephen this big deal? Like,
1: and I get, I get that divide. Can so can you? Can either of you, Mike, particularly Mike, can you explain Low to me? Well, like because I've seen a few episodes here, Lowe. I don't really understand the purpose of Low. What is the role that she plays in this group? Low. Lo is my favorite
0: character on the show. <laughs> she has gone on to be a wildly successful business person by the way. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she runs like her own line of, of all these sort of products. She's 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 a boss. Like she's awesome. She she's kind of like the the comic relief I feel like mm-hmm. on the, okay. the 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 female side of things because you do have like you you have to get these main characters into conversations, right? Like you need somebody to to go to Kristen and be like, "Hey, what's going on with you and Stephen?" Like she you know, sure. so, you know, she has her friend. I, I think it's uh, you know the other. What, what's the uh, Alex? Alex H is, oh, is the girl yeah.
1: who's she's always setting up Kristen. If you watch these seasons, right? Like- uh, there's a lot of the early ones. There's basically a bunch of conversations, yeah, with where it just exists because they need someone for Kristen to be in a room with to go. <laughs> I'm hot and Stevens hot, and we're gonna have exactly. hot babies. And we're gonna yeah, go to Connor. exactly. Yeah, but 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 she but has like,
0: to say so it to someone out loud, yeah. right? Right. But but what's going on with Talon? Like you you have to have somebody who asks you the question, and I I feel mm-hmm. like Low kind of serves that purpose for for LC in the show. She's also good comic relief as as the season gets yeah. on. Her role gets a little bit bigger. Like she has she has kind of a thing with Talon and, and and all this stuff. But she's I I feel like she's she's funny, but more than anything else, it's the like hey do you think something's going on with Steven, like setting Elsie up to actually talk about this? Which She's, you have a lot she's of characters less like that. dramatic.
1: She's less like, because yeah. clearly Elsie's supposed to be the hero, right? And yeah. this is like, this is hero's best friend basically is what we're, that's what Lowe's role and is.
2: I feel like Lowe is one of the like quicker, wittier of the entire cast as well. Like she, I think I did some, I did some weird Googling. She ended up going to and graduating from UCLA um and if you do a lot of the other i did a lot of the other searches because they kept talking about going to san francisco and so right i kept thinking where are they going to college yeah so these girls was, are not going to stanford no steven went to san francisco state for a year and then dropped out to pursue his acting career um Laura Elsie was going to a design school, which will make sense if you, well, I'm not, you're not going to watch anymore. She ends up No, but I'm aware the fashion, that the Hills, she is, yeah, she is a, she's a, fashion a fashion designer. But right. She ends up going to this fashion One school. One of the two jobs right that you can have as a
1: as a female character on TV in yes. the early 2000s.
2: Yes, but she drops out of that fashion school, comes back to Laguna Beach for a little bit, goes to community college, and then goes to New York to go to the fashion design school that she ends up at, whatever. Why do I know all this stuff? This um, is amazing. Yeah. That,
0: you're saying this, and I'm like, by the way, Lowe did start at UCSB, and then she went to UCLA. Like she goes to Santa Barbara every time. When I, when, you know, when I was doing college basketball stuff at, at SB Nation, if I wrote a Big West preview and UCSB was involved, I was working Low Bosworth into that preview in some way. Such a great. And I. I also was dropping that UC Davis was the the site of the the show Sorority Girls on MTV back in the days. Like you got to make a Sorority Girls reference. Shout out to UC Davis. Let's, uh, not, <laughs> not to
1: not to pull too far away from from this show specifically, but I do. I want to talk about MTV a little bit from the 2000s, which is like essentially the end of MTV. It's the last era of MTV, and it's it's really. I, I mean, I have this. I talk about my kids on the show a lot, but it's because I have one in high school and one in middle school. So they're like experiencing culture right now. And it's a good like foil for me to, to think about what it was like when I was their age. And MTV was such a massive part of the conversation of like the, the stuff we all watched and, and the music we all listened to obviously as well, but it's, it's wild that something that was that big a part of our pop culture that had all of these shows that we remember all this stuff from these events, like the awards shows. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and all of these like personalities that were just a part of that network. And it totally doesn't exist anymore at all. It is Excuse completely me. ridiculousness wrong. has to air somewhere. Nah, that's, right. Right. <laughs> that's that's all. Isn't that all it is? Isn't it like 24 hours yeah. a day? It's just that show now. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, were you guys big? I mean, for me in college, it was like there was just a TV that was always on
2: mm-hmm. MTV
1: or MTV 2, pretty much just like, it was just like ambient noise in the house. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of my first
0: college memories from college memories was in our, like, we had, we had a big dorm area mm-hmm. and like at the in the lobby, you had a TV and a bunch mm-hmm. of couches where people would just congregate. And we watched the it was like the third week of school it was the MTV Movie Awards. And it was the yeah. year that you had the the, the, the famous Britney, Madonna, Christina Aguilera kiss. And like everybody's like, oh,
1: shit, like as this happens. <laughs> Truly. How many of us were standing around with a bunch of friends live when it happened? And yeah. were like blown away by that happening. It was nuts, but like
0: you, like yeah. every single show on that network back in the day, like you, you know, like you had. I remember Camp Jim was a was a show that was big my freshman year of college that people watched, and you know, you had Rich Girls was a thing that was like you knew all these shows, and, and then right. it, it's it's transitioned into Robin Big and a, and a
1: bunch of oh, reality shows. I um,
2: love Robin Big. I mean, I guess the, do they Hollywood still do Challenge?
1: Great. Do they still do the, the Challenge? I could
2: stuff? do I could do ten yeah, hours right. of the Challenge alone because they've had to. Basically, because they don't have real world or road rules anymore, they don't have the feeder shows with which to pull people from to continue doing a real world road rules challenge. So the challenge turned into over the course of the past couple of years, they've pulled in like, are you the one and um, all the like Love Island and now it's even into Survivor and Big Brother. And so it's completely changed the way it's not the same. It's not the same as when like The Miz and like everyone got their start on the challenge. Yes, it still exists. It still comes on every week.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, so, so here's here's another thing I wanted to talk about with with this show specifically. It's crazy the the, the style in which oh. the show is shot. Is oh, very, I thought
2: you itself. I was like, yes. No, I don't
1: have I I, I don't have a lot of opinions about fashion, but the, <laughs> the 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 way this show is is shot and edited, right? Like. I could be wrong about this. And maybe there were other shows that looked like this that I'm not remembering, but it looks markedly different, right? There's not the like handheld shaky cam, right. like, mm-hmm. like the real world looked yeah. like. It, this is highly polished and produced looking. And actually, if you really like paying attention and you're being like a, like a movie nerd watching it, there are scenes that are happening where you're getting multiple camera angles and it would be impossible to not see the other camera when you're when you're switching shots between the two so like what what i'm saying is this if if you're really like investigating it this this was obviously highly staged and scripted but it actually doesn't look like it at all when you're watching it. it. It feels very much like a like a documentary when you're watching it, even though there's no way that it was.
0: Well, I, I was going to bring this up, and this is going to lead me to a a very important statement that I, I I firmly stand behind. The season, the first season of Laguna Beach, is one of the most transformational seasons in the history of television. I I wholeheartedly believe it because no, it was the first time that a reality show ever did this. It was the first time the reality show. Not just you mentioned, they didn't have the shaky cam, nobody did confessionals. You, you didn't have any, yes, that's that's another good point. Yeah, break away and be like, Hey, like, yeah. The thing about Steven is, like, you, you didn't get any of that, it was all very much set cameras. And it so the thing about the show was, nobody knew what it was when they first started watching it. Like, the first two or three episodes, people were like, Is this like a, a soap opera? Is this supposed to be a reality show? And so they started, I don't know if you guys, how far you all watched they started in like episode four having to put that disclaimer on at the beginning of the show that says, <laughs> I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, but like the people, the drama, the events you're about to see like are real because people couldn't figure out what, what they were watching. And so I, 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 did, I listened to the, uh, the Steven and Kristen podcast they did this year where they talked about it and they were like, you know, they would tell us to, you, know, you know, we would have like certain spots where they knew we were going to go and they would set up and, mm-hmm. and shoot. But like the, the real conversations that we're having. Yeah wouldn't like, like have these conversations. They didn't tell us, right. but like they were things that we needed to address with each other. So that part of it was like yeah. somewhat real.
1: It's the, it's the staging of it is, is what's, is what I'm saying is, is obviously they had to have pre-planned it, Good. but I believe that the scenarios that were going on and the stuff they're talking about was actually happening. The, the, the thing about it is right. Like it's what they're, what they're so effective at with this show is because of like the the language they're using, right? Like the visual language of how they shoot and edit the show. It sort of like lulls your brain into forgetting that you, that this was a show there where there's like people around with cameras and microphones and you just stop thinking about that. And you're, you are fully just thinking this is just real people having a conversation in real time. And I mean, a lot of that too is there's a lot of, like it's almost like down to how they mic them, right? Because like you can't really hear them very well sometimes. And I mm-hmm. think that's very much on purpose. I think it is supposed to sound like overheard conversations. Like you're like you're not supposed to be in on this, you know. Well you're
2: definitely not supposed to be in that bar in Cabo. Like
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I did watch the Cabo episode. You gotta watch
0: Cabo. Yeah.
2: Um, the funny thing is I had to explain to him which Cabo episode to watch because there were multiple Cabo episodes. I watched episodes. the season one Cabo episode. Yeah, season one. And it's episode five. They like, And honestly, I think the that scene, and I, I didn't listen to the podcast yet, but I read some stuff about it that Steven said that was actually one of his like biggest regrets in life was how he treated Kristen at that bar, like calling, calling her a slut and like all of these things because he was, the jealousy and the triangles that were happening. But it was funny, like. So you're telling I, me it did not, in fact, stay in Cabo. It did, did not
1: thank Gabo. He
2: like, was he that six times, and everyone's like, there are cameras here, folks." Like, right. Hey, Cabo. Like, he
0: also, was very, he was very, very apologetic on the podcast. He, yeah. He he, he kind of goes over the top a little bit to be like, "That's not who I am as a person." It was terrible to watch. <laughs> not, I'm like, dude, you know, you it, it's not a good look, but also you're, you're you're 17 years old or 18 years old, and like I, I do think that there's there is something relatable to like that weird feeling of like the first time you had your heart broken and you see like that person move on that quickly. And just like, you cannot get over it and all this stuff. And you see like you know, they're both using other people to try and make the other one. Gel. It's, it's all very immature, like teenage stuff that like Matt said, doesn't matter at all when you get a little bit older, but at, at that point in your life, w- when that's all, you know, is the most important thing in the entire right. world. It's your whole
2: world.
1: Yeah. Right. It's, an, it,
2: it's crazy to watch. Of, the show's an odd mix of relatable, on some level and completely unrelatable on another so it's like that type of thing like where you're like i've been through those types of heartbreaks or High school things or et cetera, et cetera, like the mall shopping with love. Like I, I was like, look a mall. I got so excited. <laughs> mall. I mean, let yeah. I mean, look. There's a lot of there's a lot of like big nostalgic stuff. Yeah, I mean, the music. The I love because we we talked about earlier in this episode. We talked about songs from 1999 that are now 25 years old, and we mentioned specifically what's my age again. All the small things from Blink 182, and so it was hilarious that they like also go to this Blink 182 concert like early in Blink 182's like early success,
1: but. And the Hillary fact, Duff, the Hillary Duff theme song exactly. hitting yes. was was a big so was a good. big pop for me. Yeah,
2: because um, I,
1: I don't I don't think I could have told you I I didn't have enough of a memory of this to know that that was the theme music, but that is for sure immediately places the show in a in my in oh, the timeline my for me, and and I mean so. You were talking about the 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 clothes people are wearing earlier, I mean, Caroline. What I is that? Sure. Is that a very
2: Specific. The Hollister and the so I mean even Kristen with the like black neckbands and the all of the like Abercrombie the things that are like tight and then like the ruffly uh, skirt like she wore in Macabo whatever I was like oh my god this takes me back and all the of guys the,
1: all all dressing like they colos. are sort of sort of like surf adjacent yeah felt like a very early two thousands like like Pac sun at the mall or whatever. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh. I love when it. When Kristen
0: rocked the choker, you knew shit was about to go down. Like that's yeah. when she had the game face. So when that little black choker came out, I was like, all right, here we go. Now we're going to see some stuff. This is going to be great. It
2: was always but, every, no, yeah. And the I, black I, black bra with the white tank top with the black choker. You're like, she's yeah. going to ruin someone's I life. can't, I couldn't help. It's but go also uh,
1: the, the other, the other thing this was making me think about <laughs> watching it was especially the first episode. So the first episode of this show they're having. they the girl. These are high school girls. How did who, they get the suite? Who have enough money?
2: I can to tell put you. you Want to know? I, I can, can tell you. Know. And, yeah, and
0: the, the, they were like, "We never did that." They're like, "We would never just rent out." They're like, "This was hundred percent an MTV setup." thing. Uh, uh, sure. That, no, that makes sense. They, they, were, it, they, they, they needed to start the narrative. They needed to get the yeah. They going put on. They like, put on the this, this way to do huge
1: expensive party, and there's there's a
2: scene. The idea of the hotel manager having a conversation with these 17-year-old girls, girls—it was like, okay, but we're going to keep it down, right? And love yeah. and like, you can trust us. We're all over it. But, oh. the, I mean, what's what's interesting about it right
1: before that, like, so they're painting a, a totally unrealistic picture there, but there's a scene where they're all sitting around planning it, and it really felt to me, the thing that jumped into my mind was like, this is like a scene from one of the Real Housewives shows, but it's, yeah. it's actually way more subtle than any of those shows are. So it's it's weird. It's weird that like in a way, a show like this about a bunch of teenagers may have been like this inspiration for this whole series of shows about women in their like 40s and 50s that acting like complete assholes 20 <laughs> years later. But but like, you know, I mean, obviously, this show did not invent reality television, but I think the idea of a reality show about a group of people who are living a glamorous lifestyle, I don't necessarily think that was the trope of reality TV before this stuff.
2: No.
1: It was much sillier and more exploitative before this. It's 100% reflective of, of what we see today.
0: I mean, you like Kristen's the only one who shows up wearing a white dress. Like, of course she wore white. Like, it, it
1: is. Right, it, it's that's like, very it's,
0: Housewives, yeah. It's everything you see on Bravo today. Like, it, it really intru- ensures... Like, w- how long do we have to stay? Like, let's get out of here. Like, you know, the, the whole thing. But yeah, like I, I did listen on a podcast. They basically, they're like, we need to get Lauren, Stephen and Kristen in the same place. And so they were like, Let, let's just, you know, we'll buy this out for you. We, you can't drink alcohol, but if you put it in red cups, we won't ask any questions. Like that whole thing, which it, it is like, this is a show that you could never get away with this. Shit. Like, first of all, they they, they, they play up the sexiness of these 16, 17, 18 year old kids constantly. You, you've got like yeah. this, Kristen getting out of the pool in the first episode, like zooming in, like, I I guess she's hot. Like, she's 16 years old, and they're doing this. (laughs) The narration is like, yeah, she's sexy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and I guess she is hot. She's hot, and I guess she is. But, like, they're openly, they're very clearly letting these kids drink and then filming their bad decisions afterwards, which you can never do now. But, like, back in the day, it was like, hell yeah, everybody's drinking, let's go for it. And we didn't think anything of it. I'm like, we drink, they drink, this is great.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, MTV, MTV was in. I, as much as I romanticized it a few minutes ago, it probably was not great for people our age <laughs> to be no.
2: exposed well, to that. Well, and it, that was the thing that also is where I say like it was relatable in some senses. I also my I did not have remotely close to an iota similar of a high I'm school. I'm sure almost <laughs> no one did. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. the like. Two, the one that killed me was when the two dads, like Chris and Sad and Elsie's dad, were like, "Have you heard from them in Mexico?" And I'm just thinking about like 16 <laughs> year old me being allowed to Oof. go just hey, with there a were, bunch of my friends and uh, like uh,
1: uh, that. That era came to a crashing halt eventually when well, you know, like this, this, this was like a whole era of like, let's just see how much of a leash we can give American teenagers, and they well, like,
2: they had, and then we and
1: found out, and like it got yeah. reined in big, basically. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Very um, true. Well, listen, I I have – Mike, we always do a trivia segment on this show. And obviously, we've been talking a lot about uh, reality television from the early 2000s, from, from the yeah. formative era of reality television. So today's trivia segment, you and Caroline are going to be competing for uh, – against each other on early 2000s reality television trivia oh, uh and i before we get this going i have a little bit of a jingle to start off our game show segment chandler can you play the jingle <laughs> no one wrote dialogue for you no one wrote it on the path no one else, no one else can make shit up. That's this bad. Talking trash about your best friend, making out with random hot men. Today is where your show begins. The rest is still unscripted. So good. It's I so I, good. I had to look up that uh, that that was the theme song for The Hills. So it I, was. Wanted, I wanted it to be relevant. Yes. Um, And pardon my voice. I've had COVID for a week. I'm blaming it on that. So, so Mike, we're, we're going to go back and forth three questions each. We're going to start with you. Okay. In 2003 producers of the show, the simple life wanted to make a reality series featuring Paris Hilton and her sister, Nikki meeting normal people around the country when Nikki had to drop out, which pseudo celebrity ultimately took her place in the series. Nicole Richie. Nicole Ritchie's correct. That was Starting a off, wild show. <laughs> it was a great show. I loved it. It was fantastic. <laughs> I actually didn't know that it was supposed to be Nikki Hilton as, uh, as the mean, other person. I didn't Do you either. Remember I what a whole,
2: that's hot had on society in like 2003? Yeah. Oh my, it's my pretty god. Pretty wild.
1: And then and now, I mean, if you see interviews with Paris Hilton lately, she's basically like, Yeah, I was doing a voice the whole time.
2: Yes. Uh, she was it, in and out of that crazy. voice.
1: Oh yeah. All right, Caroline. Right. You got to keep you got to keep up here. This 2000s reality competition show <clears throat> inspired a licensed Nintendo DS video game which allowed players to customize their character's hair, makeup and clothing as well as a catfight mode that allowed you to fight with other contestants.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um Early 2000s reality that would have... See, I'm leaning towards something like um, Flavor of Love, but I don't think... That that would be be a wild Nintendo DS game. (laughs) DS would not (laughs) go. Oh my God.
1: I don't know. It's America's Next Top Model. Oh, (sighs) really? It apparently had a catfight mode in the game. Or you fight with other contestants in the show. All right,
2: Mike. Incredible Mike. show, but so bad for uh, every woman. Truly, so, truly yeah. abhorrent show. Yeah, like the way that they go, like, <laughs> size sixes were like you cow. Get out of here with your size. six, uh, Your plus size. Like it was all right, just- Mike. Mike is ahead one to
1: nothing after the first round. Okay, <clears throat> Mike. The Girls Next Door, a reality show about disgusting and now dead creep Hugh Hefner. Featured the Playboy founder and his multiple "quote unquote" wives. How many wives were featured on the show?
0: Oh God,
1: I never. I, if I
0: watched this show, it was like hit or miss. I I never really got into this show. I, I'm gonna say three. It was three wives. He got hey! it. Oh. Total well done.
2: Kendra Kendra Holly and I can't remember the third one's name. I remember I watched, getting
0: famous, but I never actually watched the show. I watched more of
2: that than I am proud
1: to admit <laughs> this is listen this took a lot of research because i i am not a reality tv guy i had to really dig in i for watched this stuff. all this crap
2: every show that we've talked about i have watched you ate all <laughs> you,
1: you you drank all this garbage all of it all right caroline you got to keep up here you, you really well, no, need this to win
2: is bad. this is bad all
1: right on the classic prank show punked one episode went horribly wrong and was never aired after it resulted in the celebrity victim punching a 12-year-old boy in the stomach. Name that celebrity.
2: I don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite piece of trivia about punk Can I get any sort of hint? <laughs> That's a uh, lot. He was, like... a,
1: he, was a, uh, he was a sitcom star from the era. Charlie Sheen. No, I'm afraid it was Zach Braff from Scrubs. <laughs> what? <laughs> they had a kid pretend to spray paint his car. Zach Braff chased the kid, caught him, and punched him in the stomach. Oh, my
2: they God. Tw-
1: <laughs> 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 apparently the kid oh. apparently the kid signed a waiver, so no one got in trouble.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, I'm taking the L this week.
1: This is terrible. Yeah, Mike has already got the win, but we're going to finish this out. All right, yeah. Mike on the series newlyweds nick and jessica one scene featured pop star jessica simpson expressing confusion about which common household canned food uh chicken of the sea tuna that's
2: right that's right he's three for three (laughs) i have known all of his answers (laughs) oh man an incredible show it was great
1: so good that's one i for sure saw tons of clips on the soup from from that series (laughs) Oh my god! That was like a that was a weekly, that was a weekly uh, favorite on the Soup. I feel like they were obsessed with that show.
2: That was Joel McHale, right? Am I thinking? Yeah, right? yeah. McHale, the Soup host. Yeah, I loved the Soup. Yeah. All right, Caroline,
1: your last one. You got to preserve. Okay. It
2: for yeah. The,
1: for the pod, the series Jersey Shore, okay, coined the term GTL, an acronym used to describe not just a to-do list but a way of life. What does GTL stand for?
2: Jim tan laundry. That's great. There we go. Boom. <laughs> Too short time. <laughs> <laughs> really good.
1: I am I am astonished that y'all knew as many of those as you did. I didn't I would not have been a- able to answer a single one of these except the Zach Raff <laughs> one. That's the only one I knew going
2: that was into so making this. I would not
0: have gotten to 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 be fair to Darns. I would not have gotten America's next top model. So if she'd had my question, she would have won three two there.
1: (laughs) That's just how it shakes out sometimes, you know. know exactly. You knew this. I did
0: know Zach. I did know the Zach Braff one. The Zach Braff one was bad. The Frankie Muniz one that they aired was also a tough. What now? Wait,
1: what happened in the
0: Frankie Muniz one? Someone like stole his uh, like 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 towed his car or something, and he was a total dick about it. Like he was not cool (laughs) at all. He he was awful. A little was bit of an insight into some stuff that would like Frankie Munez moving forward. That was he was run. he was going
1: he 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 had a tough go. He was really going through it as a kid actor, you know. He was. He was, he was it, is it, he's a he's a uh he's like a F one driver now, right? He
0: does Formula One stuff, big clippers guy. Frankie, he's out there, big he's clippers doing pretty
2: good. Love the clippers. This is a fun conversation I do like because um I think LC is still doing fashion stuff, but she's she is. Way, way on un- she does I know she's one of the ones that both her and Kristen don't show their kids on social, I think it is. I know Kristen does it. Um Kristen obviously married Jay Cutler and they were married for a while. Um I watched all of Very Cavalry, <laughs> Um and I even follow some of the people that were previously on the show, like Shannon Ford who got fired. Her account is one of the best things on Instagram. So, so was really-
1: there was there another show with these characters after the Hills?
2: She's Um,
0: done, like, two reality shows since then. Yeah, yeah, Kristen has.
2: Yeah, yeah, Kristen had Very Cavallari, which was, like, her and Jay Cutler. And until this was, like, right before we found out that Jay Cutler's, kind of like, pretty much a huge jerk, too. Well, I think we always knew, but, like, this was, like, more of the, like, more recent stuff has, like, been way worse. Um, Some of the funniest, like, moments, though, of reality television, uh, Jay Cutler being just a grump about things. Um, But she has... I actually own several pieces of her jewelry line. <laughs> it's
1: actually Let me good. <laughs> like, Let me ask you guys this as as my as my last question about about this show. If you if, if this was your high school years that that had been documented on this show, no. would you go back and watch the show? No.
0: It, it it would be tough it, it would uh, you know I, I felt like we had some like I, I had some good times in high school that like, you know, there have been some good storylines i feel like but just like you know the language that was used the stuff that we wore like i, oh, I feel yeah, like there sure. would have been a lot of a lot of cringy moments for me for sure i mean i i, I, <laughs> I probably had a couple of high school nights that I, I wouldn't have been proud of i think
2: <laughs> the only freshman year in germany high school when we won europeans that would have been a kick-ass episode and soccer. I think know.
1: I, I think I would have, I think I would watch it if you cut out all of the material that I'm in.
2: I would watch my friends from high oh, school, yeah. and college. Just <laughs> not me.
1: Uh.
2: Do I want to watch myself with braces and glasses trying to? <laughs> <And> <laughs> to ask me to the homecoming dance? No, Matt, I don't watch that. <laughs> Shout out Justin Custer though; he was handsome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Mike. My- uh, this was, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this with us. And, uh, where can people, where can people reach out and, uh, and find your stuff?
0: Well, limited Laguna beach content for me. Unfortunately, I could do like <laughs> two hours of this every single day. If you want me to do more, trust me, I, I, I can make that happen. But it's at card is the website at card chronicle on Twitter and, and other social media channels. And, uh, yeah big laguna beach fan could have done this for another
1: hour and a half thanks guys awesome Thank thanks for coming and hey for everybody who's listening uh just once again uh thanks for thanks for participating in season two so far we're already getting some emails and voicemails leave us an email at for the water at gmail.com and you can leave us a voicemail at 802-432-8308 we're looking forward to more of those from you guys And we will see everybody again next week here on For the Water Cooler.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
1: Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast